Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is raising money to pay for people who are struggling with the herpes stigma to receive therapy and or counseling services. Today's guest is Dave, and Dave, I'm just going to let you get right into it. So uh, let's hear about your experience with your herpes diagnosis from uh, the point of when you first experienced symptoms, and um, I'll ask you any questions along the way as we get going. Okay, so I was dating a woman who I met online, and uh, she was very nice. I, I liked her a lot. You know, I saw some potential, um, but we really weren't dating that, that long. I would say by maybe date number four, she disclosed that she had herpes to me. So she did disclose. It wasn't a secret. Um, I've heard some horror stories about, you know, women and men who found out, you know, without being told in advance. That was not my story. Um, and, you know, I decided to go ahead with it and see what happened. And... You know, she was trying to kind of make it sound like it wasn't a big deal, and um, then we had sex, and I had bumps on my rear, <laughs> um, and it hurt like a bitch <laughs> for, I would say, maybe three weeks, four weeks, possibly. It was really bad. And I was seriously regretting my decision. Um, it, it's just one of those things when you have symptoms like that, you know what it is. Like, you don't need, I mean, in my case, she already told me she was HSV2 positive. So I knew what I was getting into. Um, but to this day, I haven't had a swab done. And it's one of those things I, I need to do. Um, but it's more at this point, just, you know, a confirmation than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I have had additional breakouts since then. It hasn't been that bad. Um, but it's been enough for me to, you know, it's really affected me mentally. Yeah. Uh, how, so you said you haven't gotten a swab done, but how, how did you treat it when it came up? Did she just give you her medication or... Did you just ask for medication, or have you been to see a doctor yet? No, I, I'm really into, like, holistic alternative medicine in general. Um, so for me, I got lemon balm, and I also got aloe vera gel, and I was using both of those the first month. And then I started reading later on about garlic oil, how garlic oil applied topically can be very effective for outbreaks. And that was something that I actually just used this week. And it definitely helped a lot. Okay. Um, I, yeah. How long did the outbreak uh, continue to last after you began to um, use these different methods of healing? Um, God, it's hard for me to say. I mean, the one that I just had literally this week was, I think it was triggered by having too much peanut sauce. Oh, I man. Had, 
Peanut sauce is the best, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I think I ordered, like, Thai food, and I I got a dish with a little too much peanut sauce. That seems to be a really awful trigger, I think, for a lot of people. Um, Nuts and chocolate in general. You know, chocolate, I can't have too much of that either. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the... um, What do you call it? Is, is Arginine, it Argent? Right? Yeah, that's it. I always pronounce it differently than other people. I'll say it like four different ways: Arginine, 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 Arginine. Something like that. One yeah. of those. We know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I've heard something about you know consuming more foods with lysine, like dairy and eggs, and so you know, I, I had like an omelet or two this week and. It's better generally, but I'm just, I'm just really down about it. It's really affecting me mentally. Yeah. Uh, so how did you receive it when she told you that she was HSV2 positive at the point of her disclosure? Did you already know what it was or did she have to explain it to you? Talk to me about that. So she explained it to me. And one of the first things I did was I talked to my father. I talked to a friend. And my friend Cindy, I said, I met this woman, and I like her a lot, and she told me she has herpes, you know, HSV2. And she was like, oh, that's no big deal. And what she didn't, what my friend didn't tell me is that she also had herpes. Oh, no way. (laughs) And, you know, like, I didn't know that. Um, I thought she was completely unbiased. Um, turns out she was a little more biased, um, you know, but she still maintains that it's, it was, it's no big deal. And, you know, I think most people with herpes feel that way and that it's, for some people, I think it's worse than others, but generally speaking, you get, you know, a few outbreaks a year and it's not the end of the world. It's like a a minor irritant. Um, and then I called my father and I said, dad, you know, met this girl she's got herpes and he more or less had the same reaction he was like oh you know people get get that all the time it's no big deal and so yeah okay so it's it's always the stigma with this it's and it's not just the stigma it's the fact that this is a lifelong um illness and that is something that's very hard to yeah, the fact that that infection is lifelong is very challenging because it's it makes people feel like they can't have short-term or casual relationships, and we put this expectation on ourselves to, if we give it to someone or pass it on to them, we are obligated to be with them or support them through whatever their experiences are with it and kind of hold their hand because we're the person that you know has been responsible for passing it on or whatever. Um, I'm curious about the relationship. Did the relationship change after you had uh, after you had your initial outbreak? Like, do you, are you still in contact? Are you dating? What's the situation? So it changed, but it wasn't for that reason. I mean, I was ready to go through with it. Um, I thought she was very emotionally unavailable, and that was just that was actually a deal breaker for me. Mm. That's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit what you mean about emotionally unavailable? 
just felt like she had trouble being vulnerable and I just couldn't connect with her on some level. And, um, you know, I don't know if her herpes had anything to do with that. I, I know that she was very frustrated, you know, because she's, she told me she had herpes for maybe 20 years and she got it first from some guy that she dated. So 20 years is a long time to be dealing with this. And, um, yeah, so, you know, in that conversation, she's like, so it wasn't the herpes. That's not why you're, you know, that's why, not why you don't want to see me anymore. And I said, no, it's not. Mm. That's a very mature thing of you to recognize that even outside of the herpes, you know, it's more important that someone's able to be emotionally available and vulnerable for you to be with them. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, man, I'm shocked because this is the first kind of a conversation that I'm having with uh, a, a heterosexual male who initiated that conversation to say, you're not vulnerable enough for me. Because oftentimes I think there's this expectation that men can't be vulnerable. That's a whole nother can of worms, to be honest. I mean, I was emotionally abused by by two narcissist parents. And, you know, so I think I tend to be attracted to women who aren't emotionally available. Um, so knowing that, that's something that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, since you shared that, I think this is a good place for me to share. Like, I've been in therapy for almost six months now, maybe, yeah, all of the pandemic, uh, <laughs> I've been in therapy, thank God. And I've come to realize that some of my upbringing and parenting of uh, the parenting that was done to me, if that's how parenting works, um, has instilled a few triggers in me myself. You know, like I'm in this space of being the emotional support of so many different people who find this resource, who may find me, email me, DM me, and just kind of like bleh, word vomit on me. And I've traced back like my ability to handle this and take this on to childhood. Like I'm terrible about expressing myself emotionally. Um, I'm getting better with practice and it's like a thing that I actively have to do. And this is something that's supposed to come so naturally to people, but it's 100%, you know, as a result of uh, my mom. Uh, having used me um, essentially as an emotional boyfriend, you know, dumping a lot of stuff onto me as a kid and me being taught that, you know, to receive emotions from someone, that's what it's like to demonstrate love. This is what's safe. But for me to express it and be met with some form of rejection, like that's what I find myself uh, in, in dating situations. So I can relate to, you know, just attracting what it is that we attract from our instilled trauma, in a sense. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And it's crazy because some people go through life and they never realize that that's what happened. Yeah. But once you connect the dots, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> how, did you, how did you discover that about yourself, that this is what you're attracting? Um, I 
I've always been drawn to dominant women, abusive women, and I sought out dominatrixes, dominatrixes, I don't know how you say the plural of that. I sought out women who uh, were abusers, basically. And I was like, why am I so, and, and it's crazy because um, female dominance was something that, um, you know, like I got aroused by, like that, you know, like how does that happen, right? I and mean, I don't want you to say it like that's a bad thing because that is something that people are attracted to. Uh, it's it's character traits, you know. It doesn't mean anything about anyone's sexuality or anything like that. It's just, oh, I know that I like a woman who can be more dominant. I'm attracted to women. I'm attracted to a woman who's more dominant for whatever the reason may be. And it doesn't even have to be a reason, you know. So yeah, dude, don't don't talk about it like like it's something to be ashamed of. Like shit, dominatrices are hot. I know that's what I think too, but you know, there's this whole thing that it's you know I, I haven't gotten into all the the backstory, you know. So I've got a narcissist father and a narcissist mother. Um, my mother was always, you know, manipulating, guilt tripping. Um, my father gaslighting, you know, and I was always taking like a submissive role, like, like almost like they were talking down to me pretty much my whole life as if I was less than. And so, yeah, so that, it's just, it's all just too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've just been this last year or two has been really uh, challenging and I think for a lot of people you know in the pandemic it for me it's just it's just one more thing but you know so there's the herpes there's I saw two therapists for the emotional abuse and I've been I went no contact with both parents about a year ago I don't talk with either parent um, any longer. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough year. Yeah. And how are you dealing with it? How are you, are you, do you have any support? Are you seeing a therapist at all or friend groups or online communities? How are you able to take care of yourself? I'm very active on Reddit. I'm in, I'm active in this group called Raised by Narcissists. Um, there's another group called Estranged Adult Children. There's another group called CPTSD, which is Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, mm. which is essentially what happens to children of narcissists. Is they have PTSD, except it's a variant. It's called Complex PTSD. Okay. Okay. Now... Yeah. Uh, we're about 15 minutes in. Um, I know that we're, we were on a time constriction. So I want to get, uh, I, I want, I love this conversation because it's getting into mental health. And I think that sexual health and mental health are super interconnected. But I want to be mindful of the time that we do have together and get back to 
um, how do you feel your HSV diagnosis uh, has impacted your mental health or vice versa? It's been fairly traumatic. I think more traumatic than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Um, just in the respect, you know, I have these thoughts that go through my head, you know, kind of like thinking about pre-HSV and post and how beforehand, you know, I can ask, uh, you know, a woman to come over and watch a movie. And now it's kind of like this wrench has been thrown into that. You know, like I can't just hook up anymore. Now it's complicated. Um, now, you know, now it's like kind of what the woman who I got it from did with me. You know, like I went on maybe three or four dates with her and I was like, why won't you let me touch her? Like, why is she being so physically standoffish? And that was the reason why. And so now I kind of feel like I've got to be like that because, you know, yeah, um, herpes is, it's not like other STDs. You can, you know, I was wearing a condom when I got it. Yeah. You know, it's skin on skin contact. So it's, it's really, it's very contagious. It's really easy to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask a question, but I didn't want to cut you off. Was there more that you were about to say? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that I think within the HSV positive community, a lot of people in general seem to think that you can wear a condom and everything's going to be okay. But that is not true. Yeah. And uh, people were not informed that this is a skin-to-skin contact virus. We're informed that it's an STD. You get it from sex. And what do they say about sex? Wear condoms so you don't get STDs. So it's just like a general jumbling of shit information, man. And it's not it's not accurate. It's not consistent. And it's not it's just not honest information about it. And I'm a firm believer that we as the people who are uh, HSV positive, bringing all of our different experiences to the table, we have collectively a significant amount of more insight than can be told to us by medical providers who are given whatever few hours of sex education it is that they're being given. And so I think that it's important for, you know, like your story being told here to be told so that we can do things like advocate for vaccines, advocate for better medication, advocate for better education more than anything. Did I say advocate for better Education, medication, they sounded alike, so I don't know, but I meant both (laughs) medication and education so that people understand, you know, just how much of a, this is a complex virus, like the way that this thing works. And for many of us, we'll never see symptoms. For many of us, we'll have our first outbreak. That'll be it. And for some of us, this is something that we're going to struggle with on a regular basis. And so it's important that you know, for those of us like myself uh, who have the privilege of being able to speak to this openly and push for something to be done, you know, like I'm doing what I can to support people in navigating the stigma, which I see has such a major impact on people's mental health. Um, and I think that the more that we're able to get in a better place mentally, collectively in relation to 
how we view our sexuality and sexual health, um, the more likely we are to get better treatment for the physical aspects of it. I agree, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy because it's, on the surface, it seems like it's really not a big deal. And you could kind of say it's not, but the mental aspect is rough. Mm-hmm. Especially compounded to the other things that you've got going on, you know, um, having two narcissistic parents. Um, and then uh, you mentioned, oh, you also mentioned in our conversation, uh, prostatitis. That's something that you struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> now, how long has this been going on? Because uh, I, I can speak to my own experience with prostatitis and that was not pleasant. 12 years from so it's chronic, or is it chronic or acute? Are those the two? Yeah, it's chronic. Okay. For 12 years? Wow. Like, did it start with any particular uh, condition? Because for me, the reason I got prostatitis was as a result of chlamydia. Yeah, and that's very common. Um, I know that a, per- a percentage of men that get it engage in some sort of anal play, anal sex. And this actually goes back to, you know, my dominatrix fetish. I had a session or two, you know, with, um, where a strap-on was used on me. And I think that's how I got it. You think that's how you got the prostatitis? Yeah. So that's interesting because if, you know, our prostate is in our buttholes, right? So... As I've read or seen things about sexual health in relation to the prostate, like that is something ejaculation and prostate stimulation are supposed to be good for the prostate in terms of reducing inflammation or uh, I'm sorry, not reducing, but um, preventing inflammation, I would think. Is that is that not the case? I mean, anytime you stick something up there that doesn't belong you know, it's like you, you know, that channel is used to defecate, right? You're not supposed to stick things in there. I mean, that's what I've concluded. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, maybe gay men might have an issue with me saying that, but this is my perspective know I'm heterosexual but um you know anal sex you know I know a lot of heterosexual couples engage in anal sex and uh yeah I mean I think it's pretty it's pretty risky Mm -hmm. so is this from like maybe um whatever was used not being sterilized causing the inflammation or uh, could it have been something else? Like just this thing was damaging to the area or what? I honestly don't know. Okay. I still don't know until this day. I mean, it, there there were definitely several things that could have caused this. Mm-hmm. That seems like it was the most likely scenario. Okay. Um, but Anyway, so, you know, between the prostatitis and the herpes, I'm just like, I don't even want to date. I just, it's just this shitty feeling, you know, like 
you almost feel like who would want to date me Ooh. you know with with this kind of baggage well wait so the prostatitis isn't an STI so for me in my experience it mine was caused by an STI and in your case it wasn't caused by an STI so what why the seemingly double stigma here for you well i mean it can it causes erectile dysfunction problems in some men it can cause premature ejaculation issues in some men um you know it can cause um sex to be painful mm. you know kind of like endometriosis with women oh wow or I, or I guess vaginitis you know there are different health issues that women have that where, you know, sex is made painful. Um, you know, and for men, you know, prostatitis, I mean, you know, just when you, um, you know, when you urinate, it can burn like a motherfucker, you know? Yeah. Have you, I mean, have you experienced that? Yeah. So when I, found out so I found out I had prostatitis before I found out I had chlamydia um the first symptom uh when I urinated it was kind of like what the fuck was that and it was like oh okay I guess I'm good and for a few days it didn't burn I just noticed that I wasn't peeing a lot like I normally was and so um it would come out slowly and I'd be in there for a while and just be like, huh, this is weird. But I was also sweating. I was playing flag football. I was doing all this stuff, basketball. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm just dehydrated. It, the day that I decided to go in and get checked for uh, the slow streams of pee was the same day that my butt started hurting. And I was like, hold on. Hey, let me mention that too, that my butt's hurting. And this was the very first symptom of prostatitis. And when they sent me on my way, um, they were just like, your prostate's inflamed. We think it's prostatitis. Here you go. So they give me the medication. Um, they prescribed me the medication for prostatitis and sent me on my way. And um, then they called me a few days later after my STI results came back in and told me that I was positive for chlamydia. And I became a fucking prostatitis uh, expert <laughs> uh, after that because I was like, wait a minute. what? How did this happen? And so looking in and, and seeing what caused it and all of the signs and symptoms and everything like that. Um, I know that for me, like I, I really struggled with that because it's like, you know, I, I talk about STDs. I interview people like, how could this have happened to me? Because I did everything that I tell other people to do and it still happened. So, I mean, that tells me, you know, one, just how unavoidable, um, STIs can be. Um, but the biggest element to me has just really been, get tested, communicate, like these are the only two things that we can do. And even sometimes that's not enough for us. It's really interesting because the more I learn about the microbiome and gut health, the more I feel like that is the root cause of all of this stuff. Mm, tell me more. Prostatitis, um, STDs, like... The conclusion that I'm coming to after researching this a lot is that when you have an imbalance in your gut, let's say you have, you know, too much bad bacteria relative to the good bacteria in your gut, um, it makes your gut an inhospitable environment and you start 
it becomes easier for you to get these UTIs, for example, herpes, for example. And I've heard of cases where you have a herpes positive guy or woman and they have a partner who is not herpes positive and they don't get it even though it's a highly contagious virus. So how does that happen? Mm -hmm. And I think it all goes back to the immune system. Yeah, I can speak to that because many of my partners since my herpes diagnosis have not gotten herpes from me, condom, no condom. Um, Like no one's, I've asked, and everyone's been like, no, don't have it. Or um, one person They actually, uh, this was someone I was very sexually active with. She reached out to me um, way later and was like, yeah, so I ended up getting herpes, not from you. I know who I got it from. And she told me the the story and I was just like, wow. And I think that for me, like I I, I talk about this very rarely, but I do have a strong belief in um, just how well we take care of ourselves, you know, practicing basic hygiene and then keeping your immune system up and being able to, to communicate uh, with people about it. Like, hey, you know, I have herpes and there is a possibility. There's always going to be a possibility that I can pass it on to you. Um, and then just taking the precautions that we can take. But it's still all a gamble. Like, how could I have had sex with so many women and not pass it on to them? But then the first time you have sex with a woman who has it and you use a condom, you get it. You know, outside of the only thing I could think of is perhaps, you know, if she were shedding and maybe felt like an outbreak was coming or just getting over an outbreak. The only thing that could have been different would be for her to have communicated, hey, I don't think we should have sex right now. But even that might not be enough because, again, this is a highly contagious virus. She told me she was on the tail end of, of her period, and apparently that makes it easier to, to transmit. And I was kicking myself because I felt like, I mean, I feel I just feel like if I had herpes for 20 years, that would be something that I would expect myself to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little upset that I guess she she just didn't know. I mean, I guess I can't be upset about that. Um, if you don't know, you don't know. Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that needs to be um, publicized a little better. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. People, need, men and women alike, need to understand that. Mm. Um just another nuance in in this whole thing but you know going back to the immune system I mean god it's like the western diet is generally not a good diet relative to other countries well well, think about it like we we sell health right (laughs) so well who better to sell health to than sick people reading there's a book it's called cultured and it's all about it the whole book is about probiotics and you know fermented cultured fermented foods and there's this one chapter that really hit me where they compared the diet 
rights of children in Burkina Faso, Faso in Africa with children in Italy. The children, the Italian children were eating a you know, standard like Western diet and the children in Burkina Faso were eating very high fiber foods and like, like more basic foods, right? Not like Doritos and cupcakes, like <laughs> real food. I feel attacked. <laughs> and their gut health was like a thousand times better than the Italian children. And I was like, wow. They, you know, they eat things like millet and, you know, and, and lots of vegetables and, and a wide variety <coughs> of vegetables. Um, bless you. Thank you. Um, that's that's a key to gut health is the diversity in what you eat. You know, you don't just eat like apples. You eat apples and oranges and papayas and mangoes and pineapples and blueberries, right? Mm-hmm. The whole they always tell you to eat the rainbow, right? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but. Ultimately, I think it comes back, like, I had a, a test done called a GI mat, and what I learned from that is that my gut health is really bad, and so I'm probably predisposed to getting all sorts of different things, like herpes or prostatitis. So, anyway, so right now I'm just focusing on consuming more fermented foods, kefir, yogurt, you know, making them myself, um, consuming more prebiotic foods, and and also more fiber, Mm -hmm. and and just fixing that, and who knows, maybe it'll make it, I don't know if herpes will magically go away. Yeah. I mean, Um, shit, if we can figure out a way to just get the outbreaks gone, man, and significantly, you know, reduce the possibility of passing it on just through our diet, our, um, our nutrition and taking care of our gut health. Like all of this stuff is worth exploring for real. Um, especially if we can give our body the tools that it needs in order to function at an optimal level and fight off viruses, bacteria, and keep that kind of stuff at bay. Cause I mean, our bodies are naturally, um, attracting viruses, bacteria, like we make great hosts, you know? So if our bodies are able to fight that stuff off, keep it at bay, then there's no issue. And all we got to do is just focus on nutrition. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, and a lot of times when I speak with people, they're like, what kind of snake oil is this? And I'm like, you know, and I'm talking about herbs like Uva Ursi or, cleavers or you know just things you don't hear about because they're not it's not common knowledge anymore Mm -hmm. you know but back in the 1600s or 1700s you know that's what they used they used herbs to to get well they Mm -hmm. didn't go to a medical doctor (laughs) yeah you know Mm -hmm. um but speaking about herbs so wanted to bring this up because this is not common knowledge um there's a woman her name is jane barlow she owns a company called barlow herb barlow herbal barlow herbs um b-a-r-l-o-w 
it's in the Pacific Northwest, and they harvest a product called Lomation. It's, it's, it's an herb. It's called Lomation Dissectum, and it's spelled L-O-M-A-T-I-U-M. And so Lomation is highly, highly antiviral. So Jane Barlow was, I was listening to a podcast with her and she, she was saying that her husband has had herpes for about 20 years and he took Lomation every single day for about a year and a half. And she says that he got rid of it. Mm -hmm. Now when she says got rid of it, are we saying gotten rid of the symptoms, gotten rid of the ability to pass it on to her or gotten rid of the vi like he has no antibodies for her if he's showing up in a blood test anymore yeah what you just said like it's gone mm -hmm. like gone and you know in the, in the conventional medical world they say that you've got herpes for life um i'm you know i'm probably in the minority here but i'm not sure i buy that Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thing is, is, you know, most medical doctors don't know about Lomation dissectum. <laughs> they don't know about these, some of these herbs that are just not on their radar. Um, but Lomation is very powerful. It's also used for HPV. Um, it's, you know, different viruses. Um. So I don't know. I'm going to give it a try and see what happens. Yeah, keep me posted, man. I'm always interested because I hear people say, did you hear about so-and-so using these herbs to cure herpes? And I'm, I'm always reluctant to, um, like I'm hesitant to take that in because it's like, ah, you know, this is, this is playing a game of telephone. You know, you heard from so-and-so that this does this thing. Like, have you done it? So like, let me talk to that person. I want to, I want to see these blood test results and know if that's what's happening. But like the more deep I get into this space, the more people come up with like things that I hadn't heard from uh, the medical community before. Or I haven't heard from um, people who are working to treat and minimize their outbreaks. Like I hear about different things often and all the time. So um, if this is something that can help people, like, yeah, let me let me know how this is going for you so that I can speak to your experience as well. And, and I have it here. I, I, I take it, actually. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, is you're never going to hear an herbal company like Barlow Herbal say that this product cures herpes because they can't do that. If they, if they make a claim like that, they'll be shut down by the Food and Drug Administration. Oh, yeah. And so they can't say that. They've got to kind of dance around the subject. Yeah. Well, yeah, keep me posted. Um, we are coming up on our time together. We're at 39 minutes. Uh, so I just had a couple of more questions for you, and then we can close this thing out, my man. Sure. So the first one is, uh, how long have you been positive? I don't think I ever asked you that. to a year now okay and then what was some of the earliest support that you found like or did you seek out support at all after your diagnosis i honestly didn't really 
to seek out support, although it's, I just moved to a new city, to New York, and it's actually top of mind now, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm planning to seek it out. Um, I think, you know, just online, you know, and on Reddit, there's a herpes support group. Um, I'm really a, a big Reddit user. Yeah. Facebook, I was in a Facebook herpes support group. And, you know, some of these support groups are really, they don't like alternative viewpoints, you know? Yeah. I think the reason for that is that people feel like it gives false hope. Um, and people are very vulnerable after their diagnosis and willing to throw their life savings at anything that's just going to make this go away. So I understand the need for it. I also, I want the information. If the information is out there and it's honest, I want it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about the controversy behind it. Like, I want these, I want people's experiences. I want their real experiences and I want them to give them to me because it could help someone or it could not help someone, you know, but having the information that's available and giving it to people so that they can make the decisions. Like, that's what I'm here for. Like, something positive for positive people as a media outlet in itself. I didn't lose you, did I? Uh-oh, I think I lost him. Damn. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, Oh, my connection is unstable. All right. I just heard a little bit of your voice. If you uh can pick up where you with what you were just saying. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, you can do whatever you want with the information. You know, no one's putting a gun to your head saying you need to take this. I'm of the opinion that it's better to have knowledge and make your own decisions. Same. You know, if you want to take the drug, I don't even know how you pronounce it, acyclovir or something? Yeah, acyclovir. Yeah, like if you want to go that route, fine, you know, do that. And a lot of people, you know, like it and they seem to have success with it in terms of managing outbreaks. Um, you know, me on the other hand, I like going the herbal route and I like looking for things. I was just reading about these two different kinds of seaweed that are as powerful if not more powerful than that drug that I just mentioned mm -hmm. uh, one of them is a brown seaweed it's like it's in the kelp family um, and forgive me I don't it's it's in my iPhone which is like across the way here <laughs> oh, that's all right <laughs> um, if you want I can get it and tell yeah, you but yeah we got Google um, yeah for HSV there's this one I think it's in the wakame family W-A-K-A-M-E. Um, anyway, but, you know, they're still studying it. It just seems pretty interesting um, that it has um, strong antiviral activity against HSV-1 and the other one, HSV-2. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I, I recently read the back of a Lysol can, and it said it kills hsv one and HSV two. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but really? yeah, like if you read the back of the lights, it says kills coronavirus. Like 
all of these different viruses. And you're like, how? Like, how? <laughs> um, and I, I actually talked to someone who sprayed Lysol on their genitals before. And I was like, bro, you, you can't do that. Like, I hope you didn't immediately have sex afterwards. Like, don't do that to anybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> it is. Uh, so we're at 44 minutes. Can I can I get you talking about one more thing for me, and then I'll let you go? Sure. Uh, so we met through the herpes subreddit. I asked a question about uh, men's disclosing or being open to doing something like this, is having an anonymous interview to share their experience in comparison to women, because when we look online and we see, if you Google people with herpes, you're going to see probably 96 white women, me, and then three white dudes. So the the thing that I want to ask you is like, what did it take for you to step outside of the comfort of the Reddit group and the support groups that you've been involved with um, in order to do this interview and share your story and share your experience? I think like talking about, you know, things that are on your mind um, is very therapeutic in general. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then also people feel need to feel supported. You know, it's like it's a very lonely feeling when you get this and you're like, oh, my God, you know, you just feel um, it's it's good to hear from other people that come forward and say, well, I've got it too. You're not the only one. Yeah. And there was this woman who did a TED Talk who I, from what I recall, she opened it with, I have herpes. Ella Dawson. Bros and pros on Instagram. Right, that's her name. And I was like, wow. That's impressive. You know, here I am, like, anonymous. And this woman, like, goes up on a stage. (laughs) And it's like, hey, everybody, I've got herpes. Now, hey, everybody ain't got the privilege to do that. So if someone's listening and they're getting excited and inspired to do that, like, make sure you think this through because it's (laughs) not everything that is cracked up to be. And that is out there. That is on the Internet. (laughs) Yeah. And I you got to give her props. I mean, that's respect, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, so. By comparison, you know, what I'm doing here is nothing compared to that. But, um, you know, if I can help one person, you know, great, wonderful. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And I want to thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share, you know, my story. Um, You're really doing a great service. so, So thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for answering the call. I feel like, like... My post was very interpreted a number of different ways. And so, like, I got really frustrated when I posted to Reddit about, like, men opening up uh, more in, like, this kind of a way even. Just to get these experiences out there because it's, like, disproportionately uh, women's experiences. And their experiences essentially are saying, you know, they get this from men, but we don't hear the men's side of it, right? So... I appreciate you hearing me. I appreciate you going through that post and reading it and 
being a part of this, man, it, it really does mean a lot to me. And I, I get excited whenever I get an opportunity to bring the male perspective on here. And I appreciate you as well for being as vulnerable as you have been going through uh, talking about your abuse and talking about uh, some of your sexual experiences and dealing with the prostatitis as well and uh, sharing the herbs with us. And please keep in touch with me personally and then um, let me know how the herbs are going so that I can continue to share uh, that kind of information on here. That sounds great. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and let you go. I'll close out with this here and then um, we'll be in touch via WhatsApp and I'll text you and let you know when this will be released and or when you can listen to it and uh, approve it. Sounds great. All right. Take care, my man. Thank you. All right. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. So we're wrapping up that interview here with Dave. I met Dave on Reddit. Uh, It was really awesome getting to talk to him and hearing about his experience um, and just getting the male perspective. Like we just don't get that a lot. Um, I had prostatitis, as you heard, we talked about that on the podcast uh, on different episodes and to hear from him about how he dealt with his and how his is chronic and mine was as a result of an STI in here. Just you can hear kind of the shame around it and the disappointment in his voice of now, you know, also having the um, effects that come with prostatitis, even though it's not an STI, like the erectile dysfunction and the painful urination. Like these were all things that we as people, as men, men, I want to take this opportunity to call more men to the stage and be able to share more of these stories. So <clears throat> I mentioned um, I, I, this is a decent segue into getting tested. One of our podcast sponsors is Let's Get Checked, and the URL is www.trylgc.com slash SPFPP, and you can get 30% off your first at-home STI testing kit. And there's plenty of options on there if you want to get tested for just HIV, chlamydia, uh, syphilis, gonorrhea, and trick, then that's an option if you want to get the complete 10, which includes testing for herpes shedding. Um, that's on the high end, right? I think uh, when I looked at it last, it was $349. So um, you can still get 30% off if you visit www.trylgc.com SPFPP. And when it asks for a promo code, enter SPFPP at checkout. Um, had I been, you know, using this uh, routinely with my SCI testing, um, perhaps I would have been able to catch my chlamydia a little bit sooner. But man, like, it's so tricky um, keeping track of or, you know, knowing when you got an SCI, how you got it, who gave it to you, whatever. Um, But the only thing that we can do is be on top of our testing. So for me, I've made it a routine to get tested every three months. And that three months is actually coming up. So by the time this episode is out, I will have already gotten checked again. So um, it's important that we do that. And we're in a pandemic. COVID makes a lot of things a little bit more complicated as um, even as we're recording this, I have a little bit of a cough. I haven't been going into work over the last eight days. So it's really nice to be able to um, get this test done at home. I can get it mailed to me. Um, I prick my finger for a few of the blood tests. I uh, pee in this. They, they got this really innovative box that you use to collect the urine sample. Um, it's really cool. I, I can't show you a video of me using that, but uh, if you visit www.trylgc.com slash SPFPP and order your own test kit, then 
save 30%, of course, when you enter SPFBP at checkout, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I want to also close this out introducing the Something Positive for Positive People podcast Facebook group. So this group is for podcast listeners. doesn't matter if you have herpes or don't have herpes. If you listen to Something Positive for Positive People, then this community is for you. I've been super accessible to everybody um, and I have Patreon subscribers who aren't really getting anything from me. And I don't want to, I just feel like the content that I provide isn't something that people should have to pay for. Like I'm just having conversations with people that I would have had otherwise, whether I was getting paid for it or not. So with that said, if you do want to leave a donation to something positive for positive people, know that we are continuing to raise money to be able to pay for people's therapy who are struggling with SCI stigma, with herpes stigma in particular. But um, the more money we get, the more we can expand, the faster we can expand, the more therapists we can get involved, and the sooner I can start paying myself for doing all of this. It's like, I'll be good with just being able to pay myself a minimum wage salary for the year. I already got a job. I'm in yoga teacher training, so that'll be another income stream. But uh, my board of directors wants to see me get paid, which is awesome, uh, but I'm willing to hold out as long as I need to in order to continue to provide this service. Like, I'm I'm committed, all right? Um, So that Facebook group, again, is just something positive for positive people podcast. Um, If you, uh, I'm I'm not promoting this on any social media. I'm not uh, promoting it in any other way other than via the podcast. So if you hear this ad and you're interested in joining a community of people who listen to this podcast and just finding community and sharing funny memes, sex memes, being involved in a sex positive, more queer friendly, woke community of people that perhaps can become your friend group or dating pool or uh, whatever, you know, that's, that's something, that's what I strive for this to be. I just want this to be a community that is run by the people. Um, as long as you're not an a-hole or a jerk, you can be a part of this. So um, I'm encouraging people to check it out and I'll do my best to be active there. Like I'm going to be active in there. Uh, and hopefully I can just get people to bridge that gap between those who have herpes and those who don't have herpes so that people can begin to see themselves interacting with people, period, rather than exclusively people who are living with herpes. All right. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, leave a donation, visit www.spfpp.org in order to do so. Till next time, stay sex positive.